Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 750 for November 7th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Dave Hamilton of the Mac Geek Gab. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back here. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been since 2019 when I had you on to explain mesh routers to us. And uh, back then, you were the trusted source of information. And all you've done since then is, well, no, you've probably done other stuff too. But you have also (laughs) continued to study all the different mesh routers that are out there. And you study the technology and you hang out with the vendors and talk to them. So I've got a lot of questions to ask you about some of the new things that are happening now. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, there there was a period of time in there where things basically got to a point of stasis and that was fine. You know, everything just sort of worked, but now there's some new things that, uh, that are requiring sort of, you know, evolution of that space, which is great. Yeah. So one of the things that, that has, uh, happened and confused some people, including me is we used to talk about 802.11 something. We had 802.11a and then there was B and then there was G and then there was N and there was AC and all of us nerdlets, we were all perfectly happy to memorize those letters and memorize, you know, you know, IEEE standards and, uh, and know all the different speeds. But then one day those numbers just went gone and it was six. Like what, what happened? Uh, I think someone decided, and maybe it was like a a uh, a refugee from the USB consortium, decided that the current naming convention was too confusing with the 802.11 A, B, G, N, A, C, A, X, B, E. They decided, no, 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 nah, girl, we got to go to just straight up numbers. And so they renamed everything we ever knew, starting with Wi-Fi Zero, and now we just keep adding version numbers. Except sometimes, well, once we add a letter as well, because so just like the USB implementer forum, then exactly. And that's why I'm saying I think it's somebody that came from there. They like torture as much as those people do. Certainly, yeah. Oh my gosh, my gosh. So, uh, what is? Give us a couple of the numbers that line up with the with the. 802.11 sure. stuff? Yeah, so you know, we used to know 802.11b and g uh and also a although we never really used that, we knew it existed. So as you would expect, 802.11b is Wi-Fi 1, 802.11a is Wi-Fi 2. Wait, this isn't what we would expect, but that is correct. <laughs> 802.11g is Wi-Fi 3, n is Wi-Fi 4, ac is Wi-Fi 5. Now this is where it starts getting interesting. Because with 802.11ac, and but also 802.11n, but far more popularly with 802.11ac, was when 5 gigahertz entered the realm. And so oh, we could, okay. but we could sort of, and that was an important thing, important enough that everybody sort of knew about it. Manufacturers put it on their boxes. They said we we're dual band or sometimes even tri-band, you know. And microwave stopped complaining as much. Yeah, as much. Correct. Yeah. And and yeah, we weren't interfering with as many things. There were more channels available. So why, So five gigahertz was a big deal. It just so happens that 802.11ac was called Wi-Fi 5, and that was the time and the protocol with which five gigahertz entered our worlds. So oh. we very easily equated Wi-Fi 5 with five gigahertz because that was correct. Oh, good. And so then, that convention keeps going, right? Well, <laughs> no. Wi-Fi 6 is also just 5 gigahertz. Well, I don't say just 5 gigahertz. It's 2.4 and 5 gigahertz, right? 
And then we added six gigahertz, but that was after we had Wi-Fi six. So now we have Wi-Fi six E, which is the same Wi-Fi six protocol traveling across all three of these spectrums, 2.4, five and six. And as a sneak peek into the future, Wi-Fi 7 will not introduce the 7 gigahertz band. No, <laughs> it stays with 2.4, 5, and 6, but it has a different signaling protocol and, and it can go, uh, you know, like 40 gigabits or something, uh, you know, so, but we don't have that yet. As we've been going up from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6, E, and 7, is it getting faster? In theory, yes. In theory, yes. okay. Well, okay. it is. It, it is. I mean, we're we're we have more bandwidth now. Six uh, E adds more uh, one hundred and sixty megahertz channels, which means wider channels, so you get more speed and less congestion, which also leads to more speed because the more congestion you have, the the you know the less everybody can talk at once. Uh, and then there's new signaling protocols too. That's that's really the big difference between say for four to five to six to the sixes and then to the sevens. That's why things keep getting faster. We they they just keep making the the signaling more efficient and therefore, you know, theoretically faster. Okay. Okay. Well, it, it does make me feel a little bit better that Wi-Fi six E has six gigahertz capability. Correct. Like at least those those sixes sort of go together a little bit. S sort of, but not the first six. Not not the six all standing by itself. It's really just five gigahertz. But the six E. Well, that adds six gigahertz and the, 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 the wider channels. So I'm looking at a, at a chart from uh, Wikipedia, and I put this link in the show notes. Uh, on uh, It's supposed to be on Wi-Fi 6, but it's explaining all of these different Wi-Fi generations. Sure. And it shows 6 and 6E as both being the same as 802.11ax. They have the same maximum link rate in megabits per second. They were adopted in different years. The only difference I see is that it adds uh, wife, uh, it adds uh, six gigahertz. Is that correct? Yes, um, and I I need to. But I that has implications, stop. maybe. Well, it, you get more channels because of the six gigahertz. Not only do you get into a realm that is less congested, just by definition of there not being this legacy of devices living in the six gigahertz range, but also the way they've chopped up the. Uh, the the channels you get more of these 160 megahertz channels in the six gigahertz range and and that also adds to the speeds what is a channel it is a range of frequencies okay so um and and i don't have a chart in front of me to 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 tell you like what the specific frequencies are. I'm sure we could look no, it up. I don't want to know that. <laughs> right. But, but the idea is that in a given channel, in a given frequency range, you can transmit a certain amount of bandwidth. Right. And so the 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi either did 20 megahertz channels or 40 megahertz channels. Uh, the five gigahertz range added 80 and 160 megahertz channels to that. So now not only are we uh, transmitting in a different range, we are transmitting wider channels. Uh, and then, and then of course uh, with Wi-Fi 6E, we get even more of those 160 megahertz channels. There really was only one with Wi-Fi 6. 
now there's oh. there's like seven of them i think with wi-fi or maybe 14 with wi-fi 60 I'm, I'm, it's probably 760 and and 1480 that the big issue with channels we really experienced in the 2.4 gigahertz days like 802.11b and g which would be one wi-fi one and three as we recently learned uh the the big issue there was you had 11 channels in the United States. You had 13 worldwide, but 11 in the United States. But they all were too close together. So no... Uh, no because they were narrow? Of, because they... Well, because the frequency range was too narrow to fit 11 channels. The, really, the frequency oh. range was wide enough to fit three channels. And that's why generally speaking if you could back in those days and it's still true today for all your 2.4 gigahertz devices channels 1 6 and 11 are the only channels you want to use because those are the three that don't overlap with each other channel 3 overlaps with both channel 1 and channel 6 and and you can sort of extrapolate from there you know, it's gets, funny i'm surprised i didn't even think about the fact that i no longer ever check that but we were always messing around with that. You were always going to try to figure out running running little Wi-Fi analyzers to see what channels your neighbors were on and trying to yeah. and I don't I mean I've got neighbors close, but they don't have a lot of devices. They're not as technical as I am. So it, like two houses were my problem. I wasn't in an apartment building for crying out right. loud, and I always had to deal with it. And so, but I it didn't even occur to me, I don't ever look at it anymore. That's because the channels are, are wider. Yeah, we live in in congestion-free privilege zones. Let's call it that. Um, people in apartments definitely still have to worry about still this, care. even okay. even with the five gigahertz channels. There are more of them, and lots of uh, far less ability to have like channel congestion. But it, like it's if you've got too many people nearby, too many access points nearby, and they're all like broadcasting at full strength. Really, the best thing that could happen in an apartment, and this is pie in the sky, never would, is for one person to manage all of the radios in the apartment building. No, because you don't need every transmitter running at 100 percent. Most in like for most apartments, you would probably want to bring each access point down to like 20 to 30 percent. So that they're only covering their own range and not interfering with each other. Oh, so somebody sitting in an apartment has a, a router that could be doing a large house. Okay. Yep. I didn't know you could exactly. turn the power down on them. Well, I, I mean, I it depends on what the manufacturer has built into whatever user interface you're using. Okay. It, it can be turned down. Whether or not you and I have access to turn it down is a whole other story. And on most access points, the answer is no, you don't have control over that. But it Do sure would be nice. correctly that you did that uh, with your daughter Skylar's dorm that you took over? Wasn't there something like that? Yeah, and her, it wasn't her dorm. It was her apartment. You're right. Okay. Yeah, and... And that I just had to put a super powerful router in. Like I wanted to go and control everybody oh. else's, but I couldn't. Although you just started might, shouting louder. <laughs> it might be possible that one of the neighbors left their network um, insecure enough that we were able to dial their power down. I, I don't I can't remember anything about that. You know, it was during a pandemic. There was so much going on. I think everything's forgiven now. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> OK, so I think I've, I think I follow that. That was a good explanation without getting into all of the numbers of why the channels matter. So um, now we're sitting, there are devices that are Wi-Fi 6 and even 6E, not 7 yet. As uh, Apple users, which is your um, sole community and most of mine, uh, do we have devices that can handle those uh, 
I don't know. What do you call these protocols? Yeah. Um, protocols. Standards. Sure. Protocol. Standards. Okay. I would call it the same. Yeah. Yeah. Th th those for this, those words can be used interchangeably for me anyway. I'm sure somebody will yell at us and tell good, us we're doing good. it wrong. Well, that's good. <laughs> David, um, com. That's right. Yeah, feedback at MackieKeb.com. Uh, no, I, I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's feedback at MackieKeb.com if you forgot. But um, <laughs> yes, most of our like current generation Apple devices and even going back a few years support Wi-Fi 6, which I'll remind us all, is the 5 gigahertz version of that. There is but one Apple device now that supports Wi-Fi 6E, the 6 gigahertz range, and that is the iPad Pro that was recently released. Not the 10th gen iPad, not Pro, but the iPad Pro that was released recently has that. Uh, so the 11 and the 12.9? Yes, both of them. Correct. Oh, um, okay. I, that said, I have been very happy that we still don't have the majority of our Apple devices running on six gigahertz. And the reason is I like, I, I'm a big fan of mesh Wi-Fi, right? Uh, and for most people, when you say we're putting mesh in your house, it means you're putting multiple access points around the house to get better Wi-Fi coverage, but you're generally not connecting them via wires. You're letting them connect with each other over a wireless link. And that's what we call backhaul, right? How the mesh points connect with each other. So if you've got, for example, Eero, you have three of those Eros. One will be connected to whatever, via wire, connected to whatever your internet connection is. And then the other ones would just be connected to the main one or even via each other, via generally via wireless. When we move to a wireless connection over six gigahertz, if you don't have any client devices, meaning no computers, no iPhones, no iPads that support six gigahertz, it means that six gigahertz is free and clear for your mesh points to talk to each other and get the fastest connection to the furthest reaches of your house. And then your devices talk to those points over the five gigahertz radio. Okay. So I'm talking from my phone to the closest router. That's, that's one radio, but backhaul is when they're talking to each other. When the so, when the the mat when the eros or whatever you're using the plumes the the decos yeah when the mesh is talking to itself that's the back hall and then okay. the front hall is you know any one of those points talking to your your iPhone your Mac your 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 client devices whatever those might so be. so backing up a little bit in history were yeah. there mesh routers that that only had one radio sure. Uh, and then, yeah. so all the all the traffic was on one radio at the same time. Correct. And even today with mesh routers that have, I mean, generally speaking for us consumers, there really never was a time where it was one radio, but, th but there was a long period of time and it still exists today that there's two radios, uh, one 2.4 and one five gigahertz radio. And that's probably what most people have as their, as their mesh, especially if you haven't you know, bought a new mesh system in the last, you know, three or four years. If you bought that first gen of mesh, that's what you have. Uh, oh, then okay. They, so there, so backhaul is the same, is not on a separate radio. Not necessarily. It's up to the on mesh those. to decide what the best path is. And, and, and a lot of times it will decide to put it on its own radio. If, if that makes the most sense, it, 
that, that's sort of the nice part about a mesh, especially a what I'll call one of the smarter meshes, and and the Eero and the Plume certainly fit into that realm. The Deco and the Velop sort of sit on the second tier of that. But the smart meshes will adapt to the scenario. And, and the scenario could be what your neighbors have going on, but also what you have going on. How many client devices are connected? How many people are streaming at the same time? How much bandwidth is needed in any given point? And it can shift things around and, and do so intelligently and pick the channels, which we don't have to think about anymore either. So basically, don't worry your pretty little head about it. That is not only the idea, but it is often the command. Like with Eero, oh, we don't, don't get. <laughs> that's right. You shall not worry your pretty little head about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, because I, like I with did, Eero, I can't pick my channels. It picks them. You know. Right. It, it I, I did like that they that they added uh, a troubleshooting mode, which was please turn off five gigahertz for a minute so I can I can install this really stupid IoT device that only speaks yeah. two point four. That was that was magical when they let us have that little door, but it's only for 10 minutes and then I'm putting it, it back <laughs> and then I'm putting it back. And, you know, to be fair, it's not that it. it I, yes, it is the fault of the IoT manufacturers, but it's not because they only put a 2.4 gigahertz radio in. That makes sense in most IoT devices because they're generally not high bandwidth things. You want the longest okay. range you can get. And right, the, the, right. the higher the frequency, the shorter the range. So 2.4 is the lowest range, the lowest frequency that we use for Wi-Fi. And so great, that's fine. The issue is that they build their apps in a lazy way. What they should do is you, you know, the way it generally works is you, you launch the the you know the setup app on your phone, right? And then you say, okay, I'm going to, you know, maybe you're Bluetooth to, to the device or something, or it has its own little, it broadcasts its own Wi-Fi network that you connect to. And, right. but the app captures your local Wi-Fi information first, you give it your password and all of that. And then it passes that over to the IOT device. The problem is if the app is lazy and instead of passing the name or the SSID of the network, it passes the MAC address of the access point that your phone's connected to. Oh, and if right. your phone's on five, it's going to try to tell it five and it can't do it. Even though it's the same, if the SSIDs are the same, it could have grabbed the correct one. Correct. That's exactly it. It's because your that phone like, is on five. It's stupid. Like, yeah, it seems stupid, they... not, not lazy. It seems like, really? Well, I call it lazy because so many manufacturers do it. So my my presumption is that there is some stock piece of code that lives out somewhere. there. Some library that says, oh, yeah, just pass the MAC address along. And then the device itself doesn't have to see a bunch of networks and make any choices. You are telling oh. it, connect to that thing. It, it, it limits what the device has to do. So maybe it's a processing thing or a RAM thing or whatever. But yeah, it's... We yes. should hunt that library down on GitHub and make it go away. Shoot it. D yeah, exactly. DDoS it or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we want to deal with GitHub, though. No, 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 not all at GitHub. Just that library. Okay. I think Christina Warren <laughs> and the rest of the team there might be really upset with they us. They might have. We... Well, we could we could just ask Christina to take it down. <laughs> take it down. Yeah, let's find it and kill it. Like, yeah, put a typo in right. the name, something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Do not use. Yeah. Right, yeah. So right, So that's right. the issue with that uh, for, the, for, the, okay. for those that cared about the tangent. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That is really helpful. So if you do get a device that that has trouble with that, there's a way around it. But maybe that's not your your number one device to choose. No. And I, the way we I don't see the way it as we much used anymore. To, 
Yeah, the way we used to get around it was going to the far edges of our Wi-Fi range because oh, yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd dumb down to the 2.4 because you were out of five gigahertz range and then you could like program your device and bring it back. I remember that. I remember trying to do that. And I forget what the device was. It was something It was something that it was impossible to move into the backyard. I mean, right. Like I couldn't do it. it. Oh, I know what it was. It was my a daughter's refrigerator. refrigerator. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That was pretty funny. And then uh, we were trying to, oh, I think what I did was I shut down one of the, uh, one of the uh, Eros that was close to it so that the, the third one, which was really far away, would be the one it would try to grab. Yeah. I don't even remember. I don't think we ever got it working, as it turned out. But uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's what that problem is. If you run into that, if your router lets you turn off the 5 gigahertz channel, that's the easiest way. But, but yeah, I, I agree mean, with you. Once it gets I, it, it's fine. You can put it back. Yeah. Once it gets it, then you're totally fine. Cause it knows what it's connecting to. But yeah, I, I, um, I haven't seen that recently either. So maybe we are past that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, okay. You've been talking about backhaul and you, you started going towards it. What I originally wanted to have you on was to explain why you thought Wi-Fi 6E is, is a good thing. And I want to preface this by, Two weeks before you started talking about this, I've got a Wi-Fi 5 uh, Eero set up from years ago, and I needed to add one more access point because I couldn't watch uh, videos on my iPad in my bathroom when I was brushing my teeth. And that's, you know, you got you to fix that. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm going to future-proof myself, and I bought a Wi-Fi 6 uh, Eero and put it in place. And two weeks later, Dave goes, oh yeah, what you really want is 6E on your backhaul. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell me tell me what that's about. Well, you would want 6E in order to, I, I agree with this and I'll explain that, uh, but you'd need it on at least two devices so that, because, so that they could talk to each other, right? Oh, so okay. just adding one wouldn't help your backhaul. It might help your front haul if your iPad happens to be one of the brand new ones, but you know, there you go. Uh, but yeah, the like I said before, the idea is the backhaul is the connection that your mesh points use to talk with each other. And right now, the six gigahertz range is, for most of us, uncluttered. Our neighbors don't have many, if any, devices. We don't have many, if any, devices that use six gigahertz. And so perhaps the only devices we have that use it are our 6E mesh points for talking with each other. And when I tested this here in my house, it was amazing because I'd always tested, you know, the the five gigahertz uh, backhaul like you have with the the Eero six as opposed to the six E. And uh, you know, go ahead. I'm I'm just going to stop you because you just yeah, got please. to the point where I had this giant light bulb go off in my head, and I know you've already said it, but I'm going to say it louder so that I Perfect. can keep hearing it because I missed it again. When you talk about Wi-Fi six. You aren't talking about six gigahertz. That is correct. Wi-Fi six E is six gigahertz. So our 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 a lot of our devices do have Wi-Fi six. Yeah, but that hasn't got anything to do with my question that I just asked you about. Why is is six E backhaul important? That that's Wi-Fi six E, which is six gigahertz, which our yeah. devices don't have except for the the latest generation iPad Pros. Yeah. To answer your question, okay. why is six E backhaul important? The answer is. Because it's the first time you get to use six gigahertz. Okay. And nothing's on six gigahertz. Theoretically. Yeah. I mean, you might have some Android device. You could have some Windows device. Like there are sure. There, there not are congested. devices. What's that? It's not congested. It's not Your congested. Xbox is not on it. <laughs> not yet. No, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying you tested it and it and it's fantastic. So you've got a, a, a Wi-Fi 6E 
mesh system and somehow you tested the backhaul to tell that that was different than when you had the six. How do you, how do you test that? How do you, how do you tell the difference? Great question. Uh, the way I do and how it, much does your family hate you for changing routers all the time? Oh, so my, that the goal is whenever I change routers for my family, not to notice. So I'll answer your second question first. <laughs> okay. The way I test things is I have a network, whatever that might be running at home. That's like solid ish, you know, it, that everyone relies on. And I don't get yelled at. And if I need to test something new, I rolled out a completely new network with a different SSID. And I test that. I put it on my devices, but my family has no idea that this is out there. And then when I want to, like, once I'm happy that it's going to, it's stable enough, I, I swap the SSIDs. So I change the new network to the main SSID of the house and I change the old one to, you know, whatever. You do and this then, in the middle of the night when nobody's looking? <laughs> nope. I do it. I do it like while everybody's on their devices and nobody notices because it just jumps right over it, their devices. Yeah. Well, so don't you need to have all of their devices on there to actually test this congestion, the difference in this congestion? Yes. And that's what I do. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, with the, the, with testing the Eero, I, uh, we, when I went from the six to the six E, what I, the, or the way I test any of them is I put devices connected via ethernet to each of the access points and I run a speed test from one device to another. So let's say I have two Eero access points, two Eero mesh points. We'll call them mesh a mesh point a and mesh point B. I connect a computer via Ethernet to mesh point A. I connect a computer via Ethernet to mesh point B. And then I do a speed test between those two computers. They can only talk to each other across the whatever is on the other side of their Ethernet link, which for me in that scenario is the Wi-Fi backhaul between mesh point A and mesh point B. And so now I can test that. Wait a minute. If you're on sure. Ethernet... Oh, oh, because they're talking to each other over Wi-Fi, but each of your devices over over Ethernet to it. And Correct. are you disconnected from the internet at that point? Um, no, generally uh, not. The, but you're not just for the audience. Dave isn't talking about going to speedtest.net no. and testing anything to the internet because that's not testing the speed of your internal network. Correct. Yes. I use a I use an app called iperf3, I-P-E-R-F three which you can install in your terminal using like homebrew or something. It requires getting a little geeky, but it's not terribly geeky. It's just, I have talked to my audience about it after you talked about it. And I followed the article that's on the Mac observer and gave the link to how to do it. And that's how right. I tested uh, some Drobos I was testing just yeah. to see whether there's difference in some things. Yeah. But, uh, and I, 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 I do this a lot. So I actually found an iPerf package for my Synology disk station and Ooh. it is running 24 seven. So no matter, that. so yeah, so I, I only have to worry about one device. I plug a device in, I, I perf back and forth between my disk station and I can see what my speeds are. And that's really handy because the annoying part is setting up the server to sit there pinging. I, I was doing it with Steve where I go, okay, Steve, yeah. we have to run another test. He's got to start the server. And then I'm moving around pinging him or, you know, exactly. running I perf between him. So having yeah. it running all the time is kind of cool. Okay. So, and so you've got, you can use I perf to your house from the internet if you know uh, if you poke the right hole in your router to talk to your iperf server too which well is kind of i could just run tailscale uh yes you could i haven't i haven't tested tailscale to see if it 
has any negative impact on speed. Oh yeah, like, that, is, oh, is that's, there any overhead? Yeah, where are you? Probably. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I mean, maybe I don't know. I, you know, for, I, for people who haven't heard me talk about Tailscale in the most recent episode of uh, No Silicast, I talked about Tailscale and I learned about it from Dave and uh, did a bunch of stuff on it just yesterday. So we no. won't repeat all that now. But okay, so so you've got a, a Wi-Fi six version. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, you had a Wi-Fi six version. You tested the the backhaul speeds using iPerf, and then you did the same test with a six E. Correct. Wi-Fi, uh, 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 Wi-Fi 6E, right. 6 gigahertz. Correct. Wi-Fi 6, 5 gigahertz. Wi-Fi 6E, 6 gigahertz. Okay. And what speed difference did you see? So I, everybody's house is going to be different. So the speeds that I share with you are sort of irrelevant. It's the delta uh, between relatives. them. That, yeah. Okay. And, and so I was getting about 400 megabit, maybe 350 to 400 megabit backhaul between my mesh points on Wi-Fi 6, which is the 5 gigahertz. And then when I went to the Eero 6Es on 6 gigahertz, presumably, I don't get to actually know that that's what it's using, but I'm going to presume uh, my backhaul speeds were closer to 700 megabits per second. Wow. Yeah. Now, in a, in a, in a real-world situation, why does that matter? So... In my house, in anybody's house, 300 megabits is great. That's right. Fine, right. Right. You know, but my house, as we've established, is I, I live it, it with the privilege of being uncongested. If you are in a very congested area, like an apartment building or even, you know, homes that are built very close to each other, that delta would probably be even more significant. Because here's the thing we said before the higher the frequency, the shorter the range. Right. So theoretically, five gigahertz is going to be faster with the same signaling protocol than six gigahertz would be. All else being equal, living in a Faraday cage, right? Hang on, hang because, on back up again. Why did you? Yep. So you said higher frequencies are what? Shorter distance, shorter, shorter range. Distances, right. So theoretically, five gigahertz should be faster in in any home than For short six range. gigahertz. Well, over the same range, whatever the range is, five gigahertz is going to be better, all else being equal, because it's lower frequency than six gigahertz. However, congestion changes that formula. And my house has enough five gigahertz devices all by itself to have a fairly significant impact on my backhaul speeds. Well, if if that was... Just I love you're asking in, in, these questions. Yeah. Okay, good. If if that's true in an absolute sense, then why wouldn't your your devices just go pick 2.4? Because that's an, an even uh well, wait a minute. That's a Narr that's a lower frequency. channels, less that bandwidth. travels farther. It right, does. but nothing's talking 2.4. Well, all your stupid IoT devices are. Yeah, 2.4 is it is treated a little differently. It's um it's narrower channels, it's less bandwidth, sort of by by the definition of, of the way. Okay, so it, it's not it, an apples yeah. to apples comparison. It's not, no. And and to be fair, the same is true. It's not an apples to apples comparison between five gigahertz and six gigahertz with Wi-Fi six to six E, because you get more of those wide channels. I mean, it, it you know, it's it it. It alleviates congestion in multiple ways, not just by using an unused frequency spectrum. 
Okay. Okay. So in again, back to real world, uh, <laughs> YouTube TV uses about the minimum requirement is 25 megabits per second. So why do I care if I'm going internal in my house on the backhaul from 350 if I went up to 700 or even a bigger delta than that? Yeah, fair. And and 25 megabits would be what you'd be using for like a 4K stream. It would probably be less than that uh, okay. if you were if you were on like a 1080p stream, right? Uh, if you don't have any trouble with this, then there would be no difference for you. However, <laughs> okay. lots of people have congestion trouble with Wi-Fi. And it's nice to see that alleviated for that. I see. I see. Okay. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh, no. I got to go buy new stuff. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm the same way. If it ain't broke, fix it that. till it is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That, that is kind of interesting. On the YouTube TV thing, um, Steve and I are actually about halfway through cutting the cord. It's, it's, uh, it's completely frayed right now. We've unplugged our TiVos, so we can't yep. use it. But I haven't technically cut cut the price yet on frontier but our buddy ron did it he lives about a mile and a half away we have everything the same we do all the same things and so uh sure when he when he went to cut it with uh with frontier he had 50 megabits per second uh internet and they told him oh dude yeah you gotta have 200 so for free we're gonna come out and upgrade you <laughs> sounds sounds like ron won <laughs> well yeah so i call i've got uh i've got um uh, 100 megabits per second. So I said, well, I understand I have to have 200 for free. And she goes, no, you don't. You need 25. Yeah, said, yeah but, but Ron got it. And she said, yeah. tell you what, when you call the retention department to actually cut it, see if you can get them to give it to you. Said, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he got it for free. But I, I keep thinking about this, like in the context of, of uh, I can get gigabit. And I know you're going to think that I'm like a certain friend of ours in that I'm not going to pay for, I'm not going to get gigabit even though I can. And yeah. that is because I can't think of what would be demonstrably better no, uh, for the, me if I went to gigabit. I agree with you. I had, I had gigabit down with Comcast when I, when I had them. And the only reason I did that was because it was the, that was the only way to get above 10 megabit up. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, so up matters I, to up us. Up matters a lot. Yeah. Well, it yeah. matters to everyone if you're doing backups and all that stuff. So, um, um I, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of crazy that the cable companies haven't solved for that yet, but anyway, they haven't. So I was able to get 35 megabit or something up by, by agreeing to have gigabit down. I was at 250 meg down before that. And that was totally fine. I, I, I noticed right. no difference other than running speed tests, you know, and, and like, mm -hmm. you know, patting myself on the back or something. But other than that, <laughs> there was no, no functional difference in, uh, in going from 250 to a gig. So when I moved to fiber, I was like, okay, well, what are the speed tiers? And gigabit was 70 bucks a month, which was, you know, maybe half of what I was paying Comcast. So already it was like, okay. <laughs> And then I think 500 was $60 a month. And it was like, okay, well, you might as yeah, well. I, I see what you're doing here. You want me to have gigabit. They're like, and I even asked the tech, I'm like, this is kind of weird. He's like, well, we provision every home for gigabit. We just throttle you know, you. <laughs> artificially throttle it. If you don't want to pay for it. He's like, but we carve it out for everyone. So it's sort of okay. priced for you to just get that. I'm like, okay, that's fine. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. The, yeah. the biggest place I notice the um, the upstream is in doing what we do is uploading my files. So I upload right. my files to Auphonic Level or uh, after I do a recording, and uh, I when I go to my daughter's house where she can only get cable, I actually have been confused. Like, I where's my file? I'm looking. What the heck is going on? There's something wrong. And I realize, oh no, you have to go have dinner first you know, yeah. and come back and get it. Yeah. It, it, it takes a while. Yeah. Uploads take a long time. So, so that's it's, but yeah, if I could get two fifty, and the price Delta was, was, was more than say $10 or $15 a month or whatever it is, then I would do that. But, um, okay. cause two fifty symmetrical it's really the upstream. If I can have 250 in both directions right now, I think I'd be fine. There's probably some world in the future where I want faster, but yeah, um, but it's it's not going to make Netflix stream any faster. Nope. Nope. Now, when we talk about who does have the problem to be solved here, so I'm not running into congestion problems because of where I get to live, but uh, if you are in an apartment where you've got a lot of congestion, you probably don't need a mesh router. I mean, you're in a New York apartment. You can touch both walls at the same time, right? So uh, yes, yeah, yeah. If if it's a one bedroom apartment, probably not. It all depends on the layout of your your space and where you are forced to put the uh. the the main router. Because a lot of times, that's in you know the far corner of a building, right? That's where behind the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why for some people. Mesh makes a difference, even in a small space. Uh, yeah. So, and then okay. it also depends on what do you have in the walls? Are there air conditioning ducts running left and right all, you know, all around you? And so therefore you kind of have to, you know, make your Wi-Fi line of sight. And and you might not know the answers to why you will just know I need to do this. I've experimented. This is the only thing that works. So, okay. I, I do. St I do still need to move my own around to figure out why I can't talk on the phone in the kitchen. Uh, now the 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 router is one of the routers is has a refrigerator between me and it, but the other one doesn't. Oh, the microwave might be. I don't know. I think there's yeah, like you have, you have central pocket. you have central like forced hot or forced cold air and some probably sometimes hot air, but not really because you're in <laughs> California somewhere. But but you have you have like air ducts ducting that, yeah ducting so that can yeah they're change on the everything. same floor these two i don't know i i've just managed I, th I think i just need to move the wedge just a little bit that uh, that there's yeah. a triangle that i walk into and my friend pat's always like are you next to the refrigerator again you know we've been talking on a yeah. walk and i walk in the house and she's like nope you're gone you're gone interesting <laughs> that's funny. fascinating yeah my yeah. favorite Faraday cage story, I've probably told you this before, and I know I've told it on the show, but I just love this story. We were uh, traveling in India with Don McAllister and Wally Trewinsky and uh, and Raleigh, uh, and uh, we were um, we were at this hotel, this very swanky hotel, but near a, a, a game reserve, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, and they had sure. Wi-Fi in the main building. And so, of course, we all gathered together and clustered around this, this thing, and the, the speeds were just, it was horrible. It was just awful, and we were thinking it was fine, and then Steve goes... Wait a minute, and there's a there's a, a fireplace grate, and they have the Wi-Fi access point inside it. <laughs> so we picked it up and we put it on the mantle, and all of a sudden, it we could like get it, we could get Wi-Fi in our rooms by then. By yeah. then. And then yeah. we came back the next day, and they put it back down there, and we explained to them what we were doing and why, and they're going, "Yeah, but it looks ugly." <laughs> it's like, but, okay, we're putting it up there every time we come in the room. I got news for you. Yeah, that's that funny. Was the best yeah. example of this. 
Well, I think I think I understand a lot now about this. I guarantee that I will continue to mix up Wi-Fi six and think that's six gigahertz. But to oh, say same. it one more time, Wi-Fi six E is six gigahertz. Wi-Fi six is five gigahertz because they hate us. Right, because the people who named this hate us. That's right. Yeah, it, <laughs> the is, easiest thing to remember is that six E is where six gigahertz starts because we will have it. Like Wi-Fi seven will also be. 2.45 and 6 gigahertz, not 7 gigahertz. Yeah, it'd be good if there were like four or five in a row where they were all 6 gigahertz and then you could see that it didn't mean the same number, but yeah. it's actually just a poor coincidence that five lined up. Yes. Right, that, that it, actually hurt the, the Yeah, the brain. and it, it technically didn't. 802.11n came out first and that does support five gigahertz on that, on that oh. signaling path, but- so few of us ever used a router that only had N and five gigahertz that it just didn't, it didn't sink into our brains. Uh, we didn't equate the two, even though technically, sure, you know, it can talk five and can talk over either one. It's fine. Wait a minute. Now I'm looking at the, at the Wikipedia chart again, 802.11a yeah. spoke five gigahertz. That's fair. That's right. That's the only speed. That's the only protocol it spoke, right? Because well, this says Wi-Fi five is only five gigahertz too. That it didn't. I think that's a mistake. That had to AC had to have had a two point four gigahertz radio. No. Um, I would have assumed so, but it's possible that AC was only speaking five, and that N was taking up the two point four of that range. I, I would assume because I'm looking at the same Wikipedia chart. I I think you're right. I think it's. AC was five only, oh. like A, but, um, you know, m a much more efficient. No, I, th protocol. I think it is right. I just yeah, uh, just I found right. an article on Cisco.com talking about the fact that 802.11ac only works on five gigahertz. Oh, what yeah. a mess! What yeah. a mess! Well, I will include a link to the Wikipedia article and uh, and a screenshot of that little chart we've been talking to, so that you have a handy guide, uh, hopefully to to understand this better. Because yeah, yeah been... heaven knows we've confused you. Look at the chart. Don't listen to us. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen exactly. to us when we say look at the chart, but nothing else. Right, right. Well, hey, we just did a uh, a podcast swap where we talked about each other's shows, but uh, tell people one more time to make sure they, uh, if anybody doesn't know what the Mac Geek Cab is, is tell them about it. Oh, yeah. Mac Geek Cab is a show where we answer people's questions. It's generally a Q&A show for Apple users. And you don't just, it's not just about Apple devices as, you know, we're talking about routers here. We talk about that there too. So yeah, come check us out. MacGeekGab.com or Mac Geek Cab, wherever you get your shows. And uh, I just, uh, when I was talking about um, my great uh, Synology migration of 2022, I told them that I, I leaned on your community uh, in uh, your Discord so I could go over and talk to people who talk specifically about uh, yeah. Synologies. And if nothing else, I got sympathy. Um, <laughs> we didn't solve the problem. The, the, the problem in the end was put a bomb in it and start over. But uh, But I do know why it went wrong. I don't know why I couldn't fix it, but I do know why it went wrong. So... Did you reach out to Synology support as well? No, I they didn't can think be, of that. They're yeah. really good. They they are not as fast as you would want them to be all the time, mm. but they're not terrible. I mean, it, you know, you might have to wait a day between answers, which can That's be frustrating, but it's not terrible. And and they, I've had them solve some things for me that are like, they won't tell me what they did sometimes, which is, they're like, oh, that's proprietary. I'm like, no, it's not. Come Just on. tell me. So that I don't have to call you or so that the next people don't have to call you. Like, yeah, we don't want that. So you can out. answer questions about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. that, that's a, I probably should have, because it would have been nice to know why 
I, yeah. I, I'm sure I would have ended up having to put a bomb in it. So again, if you haven't, uh, just yesterday on the NoCellacast, I talked about how I did this migration from one Synology to another and how I'm, <clears throat> to use a John F. Brown phrase, how I managed to completely wedge one of my Synologies to where I couldn't do anything on it. But uh, I, I do know why it happened. But uh, I, again, I don't know why I couldn't fix it. That's the yeah. only thing that bothers me. Yeah. But hey, uh, so where can people find you on Mastodon? <laughs> uh, the only Mastodon that I'm on these days is the podcast index.social one. That's the one that I participate in and I'm at Dave Hamilton there. So, okay. We'll, we'll have a link in the show notes. I mean, on sure. Twitter, he's Dave Hamilton. He's the Mac Geb. You can find him everywhere. Podcasts are, uh, are sold or given away. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for coming on the show. This was excellent. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad-supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoCilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoCilla Castaways. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.